you want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good. You know what I mean? Instead, it's like, ooh. But I'm really not funny. No, no. And we shouldn't have a podcast. What? <laughs> okay. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Welcome to Hawkeyes. Uh, I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And we have a super special guest with us today. Uh, you know him from the wonderful alternative alternative comedy podcast. Uh, maybe don't. It's Kevin Bartelt. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. A for... reference from today's episode. That yeah. We... <laughs> Although like it'll that. be old news. Yeah. When last this episode year, comes last out. Last year's episode. Yeah, pretty I'm... much. True. Um, yeah. No, I think this episode is going to come out in October. So. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Do you know what you're going to be for Halloween? <laughs> um, well, we have a lot of people asking us to be Ethan Hawke related. Uh, of course. Yeah, it would make sense. But I want to do, um, what was it? Oh, Supermarket Sweep couple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that would be, be fun. fun. Except for my work Halloween party, you have to do a certain number of volunteer hours to have a plus one to the Halloween party. Oh, you have to and, really earn it. Yeah. And I did, I was, you're supposed to do three days. I've only done one day so far. Yeah. So I don't know if I could get it in before the Halloween party. So Jonathan can't come. <laughs> <laughs> so then you shouldn't be a supermarket sweep. I'll just be half of a supermarket sweep couple. <laughs> it's easy to explain. Yeah. I'm just one half of a supermarket sweep couple. Yeah. Oh, that's what I would have guessed. <laughs> Uh, how about you? Any Halloween ideas? Not yet. I'm trying to think of some big pop culture movie related thing. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yesterday, which mm. I really liked, but I don't think anyone would be like, oh, you're Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take your shirt off and kind of make your hair a little salt and pepper, uh-huh, and yeah. then it'll really come across. Get some I think. cool tattoos. Mm-hmm. I feel like it works. I feel like it would work best as a couple's costume. If like so, Leo. with a Leo. Yeah. yeah. Leo That's a good and, idea. Yeah, together. Yeah, I'll ask my together. girlfriend to go as Leo. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Um, are there any other like big movies-related uh, stuff that we could do? Well, last year, Jonathan and I were Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga from A Star is Ooh, Born. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I bought some really expensive pants for that costume. And then the year before, <laughs> was that the year I did uh, Sexy Hindenburg? Sexy Hindenburg, disaster? yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went as sexy Hindenburg, and like my mom helped me with the costume. We took <laughs> yeah. like it was like it was pretty. I didn't come up with the. I came up with the concept, but I didn't come up with like how we would do it. Yeah. And we took tomato cages and we like bent them into a shape and put two together. Oh so my they god! Looked like a blimp, and then like I decorated actually, it with tarp and stuff. That's really creative. I think that was a couple years ago because I think the year, well, three years ago because last the, the last one you did before Stars Born was um, Neo Yokio. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was Kaz, yeah. Kaz Khan. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good one. We yeah. have the, we have a large Toblerone in our closet now. Oh, amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was fun. But yeah, I'm still, still, still open to what costume I want to do. Yeah. But one time I put on glasses like you know just regular square glasses mm-hmm. and then i like uploaded a photo to my instagram story and said like catch me tonight on the rachel maddow show and i got so many replies were like oh my god that's congratulations. so congratulations <laughs> so i think people like 
you know, think I look enough like Rachel Maddow that I could <laughs> Yeah, or Jacob Soboroff. You could do it's either. True. That's a deep cut, though, <laughs> Yeah, I know. The MSNBC but... diehards. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to look, like, really sweaty Fan. and, like, you've been standing Fan. outside in Arizona oh, those are for two four things. days. The sweaty part I can very easily <laughs> yeah. do. I'm sweating right now. Yeah. So yeah. listeners at home can tell. Yeah, we're all sweating. I think every time by the end, I'm just, just, I, I've already lifted my sleeves. Yeah. They're, yeah. you know, rolled up. Smart. I gotta. I, I should, that'd be fun just to go as different news anchors every year. <laughs> or like even like local news anchors would be really fun. Oh, yeah, Dallas yeah. Reigns. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rains, yeah. Everyone in LA would get it. Yeah. 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 But you'd have to kind of look like him. Yeah, you could do the hair. The hair. Yeah. He has like a, like a funny tie usually and his suit's a little too big for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. You know? More heat on the way. Yeah. Find out. He always does like this like excited yeah. motion. Or yeah. excited do... about no matter how bad the weather is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could wear a cardboard behind you that's like a seven day forecast and have like straps on it and wear like a wow. backpack. And yeah, then that would be true. pretty clear. Because I was thinking if I were to do Rachel Maddow, I would like have a desk. I would have to yeah, build a desk. You'd have to, and, yeah. Because I think if you're just dressed as like a regular person, you need to jazz it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wigs or props and stuff. Yeah. Props are good. Uh, a few years ago, my girlfriend went as Space Mountain, and she like made an <laughs> oh, entire uh, insane costume. She's gonna be mad that I'm not giving doing it justice right now. But she's very into the prop part of uh-huh. the costume. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Prop, prop should be a, a bigger part of. I went last year as. Um, do you know those like inflatable uh, men in front of oh, car dealerships? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went as one of those. And oh, my fun. band played a show at a like Halloween related thing. And I was just kind of like moving around as I was playing drums, which was very fun. <laughs> so the whole costume was a prop, basically. I yeah. had like mm-hmm. a little AC like fan inside of it to like keep it inflated. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to do more prop stuff this year. I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, we got Halloween on lock. <laughs> yeah. Um, but listeners you, won't know that we're actually celebrating Labor Day. Oh yeah, that's recording true. on a Monday. We are recording mm-hmm. on a Monday. A it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's it's different. Uh, yeah. When do you guys normally record? Anytime, really, on after work usually or like on weekends. weekends yeah, yeah, usually weekends. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, because it's like when we can get people to come on. Yeah. 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 It's interesting I was, sometimes we'll do like yeah like after work after work on a yeah. weekday yeah. is that tough i work on a few shows that they record after work and you can feel the energy just like quickly dip <laughs> it's like starting at 7 p.m after working all day they're like so what, what do we want to do today like, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think especially well now we have this setup that's a little less complicated but mm-hmm. like we have to rearrange our whole apartment basically to record because the place where our dining table usually is in the kind of dining area sure. is too close to the refrigerator yeah. and we get a lot of refrigerator noise oh yeah so we have to move the table and we used to put it by the tv uh but that was a lot of work because then we had to move the coffee table to where the dining table yeah. usually is it's a whole thing but now we have it in I a like different this. place you like this, this is nice and easy yeah. yeah yeah especially as a guest you just walk in and it's like boom you're right yeah there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah in the studio mm-hmm. you have to go up the stairs and yeah. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right there if we had a house big enough with stairs <laughs> I don't know all of the really... stairs in the elevator yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we have a mansion and we still record right next to the front door. <laughs> and yeah. that, that's canon for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, 
No, that's a bad. I was gonna say, you know, I was trying to do a transition. Yeah, but then I was like, you know, who doesn't live in a mansion? Oh, I like that. (laughs) You know, who lives under the front porch? Yeah, uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're here to talk about Joe the King today. Um, it is a 1999. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Film, uh, written and directed by Frank Whaley, who we know from Midnight Clear. Uh, we know him better as father. Is he father or mother? Oh gosh. Oh, he's an actor. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, he's done a few things, but I oh, only okay. knew that from like a review I read yesterday. That was like maybe stick to acting. Um, yeah, semi auto semi autobiographical um, yeah. movie that uh, is pretty memorable. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Google is not my friend today. No problem. But I'm being my own producer. Um, you produce podcasts. I do. Yeah. I'm sending a mean review of my podcast to Usong right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what 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 all do you work on? You work on Hollywood Handbook, right? Yes, I work on Hollywood Handbook, Comedy Bang Bang, um, Freedom, Big Grande's Teachers Lounge, The Three Questions with uh, Andy Richter, Inside Conan, um, and some pilots that are coming out later this year. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. heavy hitters! Yeah, yeah it's a, fun stuff. Damn. Yeah. So how how did you even get into? Uh, I started as an unpaid intern uh, that I worked there like kind of part-time for improv for humans with matt besser would i was doing like man on the street interviews Uh for his show and then from there i started on who charted uh with Mm -hmm. kulop and howard and was writing the like chart documents out basically Mm -hmm. and then um from there i just kept bugging people to get any sort of paid work Mm -hmm. and i started publishing like writing the episode descriptions and like uploading episodes for a couple of the shows um and then i kept bothering people from there for a full-time job mm-hmm. and then i was the studio manager for or like production coordinator i guess was the title for a year and a half and now i've been producing for like two years um wow yeah wow. it's that's fun cool. that's very cool it's a good time I, I it's a very nice supportive work environment too which is nice yeah awesome. is it is, are those mostly earwolf podcasts they're all earwolf okay. yeah it's okay. like a earwolf gig cool yeah. What do you guys do? Um, I work for Penske Media Corporation, uh, Rock Variety, and Rolling Stone. And, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, and so I do digital asset management, which is so fun. Yeah? Yeah, no, it's um, no, it's cool. It's it's something I'm good at. Yeah? So, yeah, and I get to read all of the issues. Variety was a hot topic in the podcast world. It sure was, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was all up on the Twitter that day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And because I didn't, uh, I hadn't looked at the issue yet, and I and I saw just everyone talking about everyone's that. reaction, yeah, everyone's yeah. reaction, and then I was like, oh goodness, and then I read it, and I was like, all right, variety. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, I did. Um, yeah. One of my coworkers very kindly, I asked if she could help Photoshop myself and you song on the cover, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if Team Coco was happy that we did that. <laughs> oh yikes! Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they they really cared, but yeah. I was nervous that they were going to be like, can you not be a part of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it was just, um, you know, unfortunate. 
Yeah, I think it was just like the wording of it that. Yeah. It was funny though that like Marin went on and gave him a yeah. hard time about oh, it. Oh yeah, I yeah, saw that. That was, that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about yourself? I I work at uh, <laughs> same place. Yeah. Nice. Keeping there it you in go. the family. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. But I but I like do freelance writing, so I don't actually. Yeah, he's not, not really yeah. co-workers. We're not really co-workers. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, then you come home and podcast together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. We spend a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know who didn't spend a lot of time with me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Val Kilmer. Yes. And then Joe the King. What a performance. Batman himself. Yeah. Well, speaking of Batman, not to talk about this for the no, we've, five okay, millionth the time on the show. We started off the early episodes exclusively talking about 30, 30 Rock. Rock. Yeah. And now I've moved on to Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Batman every single episode. Yeah. We well, it when it time. stops being relevant, we could stop exactly. talking sure, about it. Sure, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. as we know, mm-hmm. is Batman. Yeah. Um, and Ethan Hawke was, before Val Kilmer was Batman, Ethan Hawke was tapped for Batman for oh, that movie. Wow. Was Batman Forever? Is that the one? I think so. I, think I, I wonder if tensions were high in the... Uh, <laughs> In that, uh, but I think well, Ethan Hawke turned it down. He turned so it down because he was... was worried about what being Batman would do to his career as like an oh, actor. I, I was hoping you were going to say like his life. Oh yeah, going well, like, to forever change him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Uma was which one was she in? Oh, she was in the one with um, with George Clooney. Oh okay. Um, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have really done anything there. Yeah, it's hard to, to keep. Them. It's hard to keep them straight because there was absolutely. There was one with so many big casts. There's Batman, which is um, with Michael Keaton, directed uh-huh. by Tim Burton, which right. is widely loved. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Batman Forever, mm-hmm. which has Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. and and I think that one also has uh, Chris O'Donnell as Robin. Yes, and yes. then Chris O'Donnell returns. Oh. In Batman and Robin, but Val Kilmer doesn't. Uh-huh. So there's two movies. They so should have called it Chris O'Donnell Returns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so there's two movies that have the same Robin but different Batmans, Weird. which is confusing. Yeah. So it's hard. And I think there's just three of them. I don't know if there's more than of those movies. There's so many. It's hard to. Yeah, I don't I know. Yeah. Tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that's a fun connection. Ethan Hawke and Val Kilmer being in the same movie. Yeah. Yeah. F- different ages. Yeah, I just watched the uh, the Justice League movie on a plane. Oh, oh okay. everyone like Trashed really it. hated it. Mm-hmm. It's a good airplane movie because mm-hmm. I was yeah. like watching it, and then I do this thing sometimes uh, where I'll just unplug the headphones and listening listen to like a podcast or Spotify, but still watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a good way to consume a lot of films. Is like. <laughs> Sixty <laughs> percent, yeah. Just watch, watch it with no subtitles or anything. Because mm-hmm. I got like an hour in and was like, "All right, this isn't bad." I'm getting a little bored, and then listened to like ten minutes of a new album, and then went back in and then finished out the movie, and was like, "This was nice." <laughs> but do yes, ever, do you ever like watch other people's movies on planes? Religiously, yeah. I feel really creepy too. Um, I watched Baby Driver. The person next to me was watching Baby Driver. And so I was watching a lot of it. And it's a very different movie without the soundtrack. Oh, which yeah, I think is like sure. what the whole movie is based yeah, around. Yeah. So it's very funny watching that main actor like very dramatically hit play on an iPod and be and like, man, I wonder what he's listening <laughs> to. Yeah. 
That's yeah. true. Yeah, it's so Elgort. We love you. Come on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah. He was on an episode of Cool Playlist. That was really fun. That's right. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. He's um he's one of my favorites. I think Scott Pilgrim is my favorite movie. So I really like uh I really like his stuff. That movie, man. Mm-hmm. I still think about it all the time. It makes sense. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked Baby Driver. I wasn't as into um, Scott Pilgrim. Mm. Just I only saw it once, and I, I don't know. It just didn't connect with me in the mm-hmm. way that it does with other people. For sure. Yeah. I think I saw it like, at the right time, right age, too, mm-hmm. where it was like, I'm getting really into music, and then watching this whole movie have a lot of different music stuff, and really liking Arrested Development at the time and mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, this yeah. is like checking yeah. all the right boxes. Definitely. I am a big metric fan though, so mm-hmm. I do appreciate that song being Black in Sheep. There. Yeah. 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 That uh that one's really good. The whole I still listen to the song I think that's one of the few soundtracks I listen to like continuously. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. are there any good soundtracks you guys listen to like movie soundtracks that you still regularly listen to? I don't listen to soundtracks that often, but I was I I did have like a, a Phantom Thread phase. Oh think. yeah, Ooh, I love that Phantom that Thread score. Is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say Moulin Rouge because that's my favorite movie. Yeah. But the soundtrack does not have all of the songs on it, which oh, is really? really frustrating. Yeah, it doesn't have the finale version of Come What May, which I think is my favorite part. Yeah. Um. So they released like a Moulin Rouge Part Two soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's not available on Spotify. So it's just like this weird album that I had. Yeah, that I had when I was a kid. And so I'd listen to both of them. Mm-hmm. But now I don't have that second one. So I'm missing some crucial songs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bummer. I just saw um, this band, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And they don't have <laughs> all of their albums or all of their songs on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And so I did something that I normally don't do, which is... I recreated, I found the set list like the next day, someone made it online, and then I uh-huh. made it a playlist, but not all of the songs were on Spotify, and um, I was like, oh, yeah. this is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's funny. Um, Anthony Lopez, our guest last week, he was talking about how he saw Carly Rae Jepsen, and then he made a playlist and recreated her Basically. set list really? as well. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Set list, yeah. Like, it's like, there's there's a real value to like listening back to the set list mm-hmm. yeah and there's there's like great websites like setlist.fm yeah. or whatever where they mm-hmm. upload this i think the, that's what it was yeah it is funny seeing people like freak out taking a photo of a set list which is just like a list of songs mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i have we I have, have one of <laughs> yeah yeah that you grabbed for me yeah which uh tried. which band um marlon williams. williams oh yeah yeah he's yeah. really cool a star is born bringing it all back yeah. my uh, girlfriend worked on that movie actually oh wow and she was she was in the pa slash costume i'd say more costumes um it was costumes objectively <laughs> uh, she did a lot of like calling um different like versace and gucci and trying to get um them to allow the movie to use all their dresses and stuff mm-hmm. um but she's also the, I, I don't know if she likes when I tell people this, but um, <laughs> she's the same height and weight as Lady Gaga. So oh. she was her costume double whenever oh, she wow. couldn't make it. Oh, wow. And so I should have given her a harder time about not going as Lady Gaga for <laughs> uh, for Halloween. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's really neat. I feel like that would really stress me out to wear expensive clothes like that, though. Yeah, yeah. like a ten thousand dollar dress. Yeah. 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 That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of ex- uh, the opposite of expensive dresses. Yeah, we have uh, Joe the King, who was wearing a the same bit of a outfit. Con- yeah, the same outfit the whole movie, mm-hmm. and Kate Mara described him as a little hobo. I think at yeah. one point. Yeah. Oh. Mean Kate Mara. Mean Kate Mara. That was hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I did look it up, and Frank Whaley played father in A Midnight oh, okay. Clear. He was like yeah, their. His mother was Gary Sinise. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, you I could have told said you that, that five minutes, <laughs> like, <I'm sorry>. 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he played father, which that was that was sad in that mm-hmm. movie. Have you seen A Midnight Clear? No. If you're looking for a world, another World War II movie to watch. There um, you go. Yeah, Midnight Clear. I really liked that movie. Yeah, me too. It's it's uh, stuck with me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I I really like the way that this movie opened. It was like a like a pan of all these kids playing on a playground, yeah. and they're all having a great time. And then it goes around the corner, and you see Joe, who's like supposed to be eight or nine at this point, just smoking, smoking a cigarette. Smoking a cigarette. Yeah. I thought the movie was supposed to be in like the fifties for the first like mm-hmm. forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Having a like eight year old smoke a cigarette, I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I liked that actor. That's a different actor, right? Than mm-hmm. the other. Yeah, yeah. I young. liked him a lot more. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a lot more like charismatic and charming, um, and seemed a lot more less of like trying to be an actor, mm-hmm. more just like being the character. And then when it goes to the other guy, I'm just like, "Man, his hair is always wet." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's really swearing a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah my thing was that they just did not look similar to me uh, no they didn't yeah yeah, yeah. they look like they look like different cousins or mm-hmm. yeah yeah although i do think that noah fleiss who played the older uh joe he has kind of a val kilmer like look That's about true. his face yeah i could so see he was him being visually cast well yeah i could see that yeah. but like but him just and the, himself yeah. it was not really mm-hmm. didn't really that's a hard thing to do i it's guess that's probably to... part of the reason that you know I think I imagine it's hard to cast two like child actors that are only like supposed to be five years apart because it's not like that much of a time no. difference. Yeah, and but find it's enough them where in, you would look different. Yeah, yeah, you would look different, but not too different. Yeah. And also, they both have to be able to act. Yeah, that's a lot to ask for. Did you see in the trivia too that like the older brother is like five months younger or older than? Oh, really? Like that they're basically the same age, but they are trying to make oh, him wow. seem like much older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He, he did, seem did older, look older. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they did a good job of. They accomplished that. The movie to me, if I were to like say it in a few like five words or less, mm-hmm. Sandlot meets Stand by Me. It kind uh, of feels like they're trying to mm-hmm. just make that movie. And then, um, yeah, if, but it feels very much like if the cast of Sandlot went home after baseball and you saw that their lives were very sad. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, yeah, I actually have never seen Stand By Me, which is... Me neither, really, but I just oh, yeah. felt like this was... <laughs> the, I just felt like it was this movie. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen either of those movies. Yeah. Confession. Wow. I know. I haven't seen a lot of I know. baseball movies. Yeah, I just saw we- Sandlot a lot as a kid. I remember having it on VHS and bringing it to my best friend's place every day. And then one day bringing it over and he's like, I don't want to watch that. 
I'm with my cool babysitter and then I'm like, I guess I'll go home. And then I walked home and was like, now what do I do? Did you steal anything from any cars? Yeah, I, I, uh, smashed, I a smashed a window and took a bunch of gold rings yeah. and sold them. Wow, just like Joe the King. You have so much <laughs> in common. Like Joe the King. Should we talk about why is he called Joe the King? Um, there's, know, yeah, we don't really know. Cause he brings it up at one point with, um, Ethan, Ethan Hawk. Yeah. yeah. But he just says, tell him Joe, the King says, hi, hold on. We got it. We got it. We got to pause real quick. We didn't ask you the most important question of the show. I'm That's really true. sorry. What oh, is your relationship with Ethan Hawk? Very close. Yeah. Um, no, I feel like I, I've definitely liked the before sunrise trilogy. That's probably my closest relationship with him mm-hmm. were those three movies mm-hmm. um that's probably it yeah do you okay. feel positively about him or? i do i i like him as an actor um mm-hmm. oh and uh he's in boyhood right yeah yeah and yeah. i liked him in boyhood um i like an ethan hawk movie yes yeah so cool. i'm on the right podcast nice <laughs> i'm glad well, no, we've because uh, we've had people of very varying levels of uh-huh. familiarity. Yeah, like and we had we had someone recently who was, I think, probably a bigger fan than we were. Who? Um, on that which was, episode was this? That was probably a good episode. <laughs> I don't know. We've had people that were were varying levels. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then me. And then you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ethan Hawke isn't in this movie very much. Well, and that's what I was, I probably would have, the trailer makes it seem like he's going to be in a yeah. lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's probably in about a quarter of the trailer. Yes. And, uh, only three short scenes in this movie. Uh, yeah, I like I think he's three at minutes. a point, like, professionally where having him in a movie is like a... Yeah, well, he was draw. a yeah mm-hmm. he was a with Ethan Hawke, which is right. you know a negotiated title. So it's very deceiving. I felt guilty then watching it. Like, should I have? Because he doesn't enter until thirty five minutes in, and then I was like, should I have picked a different movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, this was uh this was interesting. I mean, we get to see him in sandals. Yes, yeah, so that was very so cool. that's different. That I don't know different. that I've ever seen him in sandals before. No, I yeah. don't think I ever have either. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's get back to it. Before we even see Ethan Hawke, um, we have young Joe, and he's in class, and his teacher is played by Cam- Cameron Ma- Manheim. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I can speak. Cameron Manheim. Um, love her, the practice. She's great, yeah. Um, everything from that 90s to the present, basically. She works a lot. So, but she was playing a horrible, horrible teacher in this movie. Uh, There's she, a few moments where I'm like, I can't tell if these people are overacting it or if this was how it was directed. Yeah. Like, was it like, no, ham this up more. Like, really scream. Like, the I read the, like, uh, um, one of, uh, like, Roger Niebuhr, uh, I read a review of it, and it was saying, like, would this even be tolerated in the 70s, like mm-hmm. in New York? Like the bare butt spanking is yeah. so insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, don't I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. And even like uh, the mom was just like hamming it up so much. Man, the, I'm, we'll break it all down. But just the, uh, there's a lot of acting in this where I'm like, this is so like you're coming in at a 10 and you need like a 6.5. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that teacher but i was 
I was so perplexed by how much she was giving it to the kid. Yeah. To Joe. Yeah. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. So to basically, watch. what the reason that that happens is because he they're they're having like a career day where everyone has to talk about what their mm-hmm. parents do and what they want to do, and he says. It, they come to him and he just says singer and then she's like oh you weren't like paying attention i want you to say what your parents are, do and then what you're and what you want to do and he ends up saying that his what does his mom do his mom works in the rug mill yeah mm-hmm. and then he says that his dad is he's, he makes up some, yeah he makes up like a series a of lies yeah. about yeah. what his dad does he but says it, his dad is a singer at one point and yeah then he says yeah, yeah. his dad is dead mm-hmm yeah. And then the girl in front of him is like, he cleans our toilets or mm-hmm. something. And then yeah. he confesses that he's, uh, that his dad's the janitor of the at school. school. Yeah. Yeah. And so then everyone laughs at him and he gets mad. So he throws a pen or he hits a girl with a pencil, but just yeah. with the eraser end. Yeah. He clarifies. But then why literally take his pants down and spank him? Yeah. Like, it was, that was, it was a lot. And even like, obviously that scene is insane. For it to be the opening scene yeah. uh, was pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was like, if you're going to have something like that, put that an hour into the movie. Don't have that be like <laughs> the opening shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes, insane uh, teacher discipline moment. Yeah. But you learn that Joe is embarrassed of his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, his dad does seem pretty shitty uh, when he gets home from that well also we see an exchange between the his dad played by Val Kilmer and the like I think the principal of the school or something Mm -hmm. where he's just like smoking and drinking down in the boiler room and is being you know not uh very helpful um yeah he keeps calling her by her first name and she's like call me Miss Williams or something yeah Mm -hmm. Um, yes, he's just drinking and smoking. Yeah, and then when when he comes home later and Joe is, uh, Joe has been, they, like his parents know what happened in class. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his dad threatens to knock his head off if he hurts anyone ever again. Yeah. And then he gets pretty like up close and physical with him. Kate yeah. Mara so. plays the mom, right? No, okay. uh, it's um, Karen Young. Karen Young, yeah. yeah. She is... Um, also really hamming up her yeah. New York uh, accent. Every line is like, what do you think you're doing over there, Joe? <laughs> um, but then Val does not sound like that. At, like he, he sounds like he's in a different movie. Yeah. Also, him playing drunk is funny because it's just like he seems just tired, not mm-hmm. like drunk. Um, and then, yeah, we see the him like grab him by the arm and yell at him. Um, another talking about movies we haven't seen there's a lot of comparisons to 400 blows have you seen that Mm -hmm. i've been i've tried to watch that movie so many times and it's Mm -hmm. just like it's been a matter of like not being able to find it and in a place where i could watch it Mm -hmm. you know yeah you got to get on that uh, criterion yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah, i'm sure they have it yeah yeah but isn't criterion isn't it all about the nice covers (laughs) yeah that's true look at them oh that's nice oh nice pretty Man, I got to get on that. That seems like such a the smart person's thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I should have done it. They were having, before they launched it, they had like a 50% off for like a period of time. Yeah. And I was like, I should just do it. And then I didn't do it. So here we are. Um, but Talk, Talking yeah. about movies we wish we had seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did see 400 Blows though in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was. Um, and is it similar to this? Like, is this, it's like about a a similar. Um, yeah, I mean, he's like a kid that kind of ends up out on the street, and mm-hmm. he comes from like a rough home situation. Um, but I, I mean, I think that movie accomplishes what it's trying to do better than this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's uh, visually very nice. Mm-hmm. That's a bad word, but it's what? it's, it's no, a beautiful movie. Mean. Yeah. What era is that? supposed to take place in um oh i don't know but it's sure. like it's like actually kind of an old movie right wasn't it yeah yeah it's trufo um i because i wonder if like this is obviously supposed to be based off a true story mm-hmm. but i wonder if like putting it in the 70s like this like hurt it at all like if it was trying too much to be a period piece mm-hmm. um i did like all of the roller disco stuff though. that was i, I could watch the whole great. movie of that yeah yeah and i was reminded a lot of dazed and confused yes. at parts yeah um when especially 100%. when he was like talking to that older girl it reminded me a lot of mitch in dazed and confused when he gets with that girl who's just a year ahead of her, him but mm-hmm. uh you know but she seems so much older because she's yeah, a year yeah. older than him uh yeah it made me think of like link later movies in the beginning too just mm-hmm. like the way it was shot and how it doesn't really feel like it's following a story at times and then it fizzled away from that as yeah. it went along mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so 400 Blows is supposed to, it was, uh, it came out in 1959 and it's supposed to be set in the 50s as well. Cool, okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, we see Joe, we see Val Kilmer uh, smack Joe and mm-hmm. say, like, I'll knock your fucking head off, which is a thing he says a few times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, there is so much kid swearing in this movie. It really yeah. surprised me. Yeah. And yeah, if that's based off his life, sure. But I was like, it felt so jarring to watch 10-year-olds say mm-hmm. fuck so much. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of, you know, fuck off and suck my dick happening in this. Yeah. Yeah. Like between adults and kids, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's that scene where he, the aforementioned the- scene where he pawns off the... Mm-hmm gold rings he's like these are hot man i should just call the cops and then he's like ah suck my dick and then he the old <laughs> guy's like ah dick. you suck my dick he's like, yeah. what's happening and then he's like whistling at women right when he wa- gets out uh, of yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. what are yeah. you doing joe yeah um so uh, yeah i'm trying to think of what happens after yeah, so that it jumps scene. five years later after oh, that oh uh, one thing that i felt like they were supposed to cut i was kind of confused by it was there's a two-second shot right before it says five years later mm-hmm. of just the brothers, and they're, like, uh, looking at a shadow or something, mm-hmm. and then it just cuts, and then it says five years later. Do you guys remember that? It was, like, three seconds. They're just sitting against the wall, I think in, like, the closet or... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because I think the parents were oh, fighting, and so they were, yeah, and they were yeah. playing with the, the string from the, uh, yeah, from yeah, the light yeah. in, yeah. The, in the closet. And I think that that's just a place where they, you know, found refuge while yeah. their parents fought. Yeah. I couldn't really hear the parents fighting then. Maybe I wasn't listening that well, but I just I saw like a... I think it like was a, muffled. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like so quiet, but it was like a two second shot where I was like, was this supposed to be cut? Yeah. <laughs> or was there like additional stuff after that? But yes, very short scene. Threw me off. Mm-hmm. But as we explained, it doesn't sound... Uh, it sounds like it was part of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's working at a... 
the restaurant. Yeah. So five years later, Joe uh, has a job uh, illegally. He's like in a, uh, because he's 14 years old and he doesn't have any work papers. So he's illegally working as a, as a dishwasher at this kind of scuzzy restaurant. Yeah. Bar. Where there's the dishes are never washed. Yeah. 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 Well, you see him sometimes. He's like at the end of the day and he's clearly been working for like 10 hours or something just yeah. washing dishes. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, but yeah, pretty sad. Yeah. Um, also just made me feel like, why would you want to make a movie showing this like uh, s- sad stuff? I, I, like, I'm, I'm curious. I need to like watch some interviews with Frank to see mm-hmm. if it's like. If is it like kind of showing off to be like, look how hard I had it. Like I worked Mm -hmm. 10 hour days as a 14 year old or is, I don't know. I was just like, I was going back and forth on uh, this role. Yeah. I was kind of, I kind of imagined that it was like his way of processing probably if this was like, you know, really autobiographical, like Mm -hmm. this is just a, a, a way of him processing what had happened to him. Yeah. So that's kind of what I thought. And maybe it wasn't, you know, it's, it, it wasn't really like actually meant for all of us. Like it's, it was more for him, mm-hmm. for Frank. I, I totally agree. With yeah. You. And I think that's what a lot of the reviews said was like, mm-hmm. you're trying to process this stuff a little too publicly. Yeah. And, and like, don't make a movie of it or just show the movie to yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's doing the dishes for like 20 hours a day. And then we see John Linguizamo, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He also works there. And I thought that he popped the most in this movie. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think he had a great performance. He was only, he was also only in a he few was scenes. Also like, he was also like the only one that seemed to like have like clothes that were like everyone oh, else like time. wore very like drab kind of clothes. Mm-hmm. Everyone was I mean? dressed like they're in the fifties and he felt yeah. like the best dressed. Yeah. yeah. He was like he looked Some like seventies. Like bell bottoms. Like, yes. Yeah. Colorful yeah. patterns. He was going straight to together. the roller rink after Yeah. Yeah, work. yeah. Definitely. Um, like he he was like like you say he popped. Like he literally Yeah. Like popped off the screen. Everyone looked like dull. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like really faded like white shirts or whatever, or like really dirty jackets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, you know, showing off yeah he had a good like high energy too that i think the movie needed uh yeah. mm-hmm. like everyone's roles are pretty like dark and depressing and then he kind of like definitely pops when he enters yeah and yeah. he's also like one of the only people that's nice to joe yes yeah because joe is clearly like starving at home mm-hmm. and and so he gets to work and he starts working and john like was like did you eat yeah, because he's know, eating the sandwich off, off the, the plate. He's, yeah, he's off eating like this like, off of these dirty dishes that are in the sink. Yeah, he's eating food. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, John Leguizamo like, starts yelling at the the cook, cook mm-hmm. to like make him a sandwich. And yeah. So he's like actually looking after him in a way that no one else is. Mm-hmm. And I think he he, I think John Leguizamo to me was the most entertaining part of this movie and the most like engaging part because he has like first off he has a lot of good lines and then he really seems like. You know, he he seems like a he could be like a real person. Yeah, I, there was there were some of the characters like the teacher, but like there were a lot of ones that were like one dimensional, like a bizarre world of um, Charlie Brown, where like <laughs> the the teachers aren't really people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? They're just like voices. Yeah, and these voices are evil. <laughs> yeah, and they're just like abusive and like totally unsympathetic. Yeah, definitely. But John Leguizamo felt like a real person because he's like. He's looking after him, but he's also got his own shit going on. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. he's trying to have fun. He's trying to like, you know, 
Yeah. He's not like someone that's just he's he only exists to look after Joe. Mm-hmm. He also like he's like, "Oh, I want to go out and like have sex and stuff." But also he's he's trying to take care of him mm-hmm. to the extent that he can. Yeah. And yeah, that felt like a real person to me. Especially at the end when he's like, I got you, don't worry about it. I was like, man, that's really cool. Because yeah. you don't mm-hmm. know if in that moment he's going to be like, I'm going to end you. Like, you're done. You're you're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. I never want to see you again. And how he, like, kind of takes care of him and is like, don't just play it cool, play it cool. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And then you, you kind of think that Ethan Hawke is going to be that person. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to come in and be, like, the inspirational teacher. Yeah, I thought it was going to be, like, what is it, Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. where, like, comes in and helps exactly like what you're saying. And it just, no, it just kind of, like, helps a little bit, and then um, it moves on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think in um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, there was a, a an English teacher character that, like, just everything about Ethan Hawke reminded me of at the beginning of the movie, like, mm-hmm. just, from, just from seeing him with the sandals and, uh, like, his whole vibe really reminded me of that character from Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think, and I thought that's where it was going. Yeah, and I thought I was like hoping that's what the movie was going to be mm-hmm. where instead of having Ethan Hawke come in at like minute 35, he comes in at like 20 and then helps change Joe's life for the better. Mm-hmm. But he comes in later and then kind of just like connects a couple of things and then he's out. Mm-hmm. I was, um, yeah, I was hoping it was going to be more like that. Yeah. Yeah. But if does, it's based off his life, then yeah, there's not a lot you can do. Yep. Yeah. About something that's. What are you gonna say? He, he does like try to help him, but then he kind of you can kind of see him giving up because he's like he's looking at the book or he's the Joe's reading this book of like jokes. He's in the guidance counselor meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's reading this book of jokes, and then Ethan Hawke grabs the book and looks through, and he's like, well, you know, you should read like your actual books, the books that you need to read. And then he kind of just like, all right, whatever, like read your jokes. Like he kind of gives up. He doesn't really push him. He, he only pushes him a little bit, but when he does push him, he kind of pushes him the wrong way. He's like, oh, you're such a, you're so full of shit or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not in a way that you, he needs to be pushed where it's like positive, but forceful, which is, I think what he needed. He needed someone to be like positive to him because no one else is positive, but he needed someone to tell him like, hey, you kind of like stop stealing shit. You got to like go to class and all that stuff. And I thought there was going to be like a long game with Ethan Hawke where it's like, all right, read your jokes. And then he's like, well why do I need to learn about numbers and math and the bank? And then he he's like, well, you don't care. It doesn't matter. Like reverse psychology a little mm-hmm. bit. And then it works. Uh, and then he does start learning and caring more about math. But it was just like, nope. And then it just moves on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's what's difficult about casting someone as famous as Ethan Hawke is you assume as a viewer that he is going to be used as like an instrument of change and mm-hmm. to help positively impact this person's life instead of just being like whatever yeah it's pretty misleading Mm -hmm. especially like in the trailer i mean i'm sure they were just so stoked that they got him um but yeah i was pretty surprised that he wasn't used as more of a like and look at how he helps this kid Mm -hmm. he's just like nah whatever yeah and he does try to help him but it kind of it backfires backfires Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah so uh, we just like we basically just see him like he's stealing stuff and he like he goes to the girl's locker and he steals like the stuff in her locker and he finds mm-hmm. a tampon and he's like yeah there's a funny scene where he's trying to figure out what, what, it what is, a tampon yeah. does yeah um and 
Oh, and then there's the scene where uh, Val Kilmer breaks. Well, you don't see it. Yeah, it's he, off screen. He comes home, Joe comes home, and he finds that all of his mom's records are broken. Yeah, then that night, like, Joe's mom takes him out for an ice cream sundae, and she, she says, be, you be a good jo- boy, Joe. And I really thought she was going to, like, skip town after that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, yeah. one yeah. last positive memory of her, you know, taking <laughs> yeah, him out for yeah. ice cream. Because uh, that's a thing. Like, that's a trope, I think. Mm-hmm, and, totally. Um, but then she didn't leave. She was still there. So that was that was interesting. And why just him? Why did the brother not get invited to that? That's a good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. As the brother, I'd be like, what the he, fuck, he, mom? he was the one that was actually there, too. Yeah. yeah. He saw yeah. it all happen. Yeah. I wonder if it's just because Joe was the only one that really checked on her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then she takes him out for ice cream, and mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, yeah, and then Joe's brother is going to fight a guy. Yeah. And Joe tries to stop him. He says, just come home with me. Don't, you don't have to do this. Uh, but then he insists that he has to be in this fight. And then Joe says, I'm just going to go home then. But then his brother does get in the fight, and he does and get pretty badly this, beaten yeah. up. And joe and joe did try to come back to be there to support him but he didn't make it in time and the brother's upset with him basically for the rest of the movie for not being there yeah 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 that was crazy he really was like bothered with him for the next hour yeah oh then joe his way of trying to make cut up is he pees in so much that was gross yeah that was gross he pees in the he pees in a cup and then he pours pours it like into the gravy of the food of the boy and his family but then also he never tells his brother that he does that so it was like just for him yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that would have been a nice moment to be like hey i'm sorry i wasn't there but look i did this nasty thing (laughs) for you he's like no i'm just gonna keep this to myself and smile Mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah, so Joe is working, and then John Leguizamo tells him that the bosses are away on vacation. Yeah, he's like, yeah, oh, you want to ride home or whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, I got to finish up. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. They're not They're not here. They're on vacation. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, where'd they go? And John Leguizamo says, wherever it is that stupid, ugly white people go. Yeah, and then he says, and no, like, offense. Hey, no offense. no <laughs> um, I was so bummed when he said no offense, too. He, like, immediately backpedaled on, backpedaled on it. I was like, just, just take it. Just say it. <laughs> Yeah, I, know, yeah. I thought it was funny because the implication was that John Leguizamo was calling Joe. Also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. ugly, stupid, and white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should we talk about how he, like, goes upstairs in an earlier scene and then is, like, mortified when he's like, tries to get the money and he's like, what the heck is happening up here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like there's, like... Some weird chick going on upstairs. A, two naked people on the couch kind of underneath some... I don't know, like blanket. a blanket or something. Mm-hmm. And are they smoking or something? It looks know. like they're smoking a cigarette, but it also is set up to make you feel like they're doing like way harder drugs. Yeah. Yeah. They're and that they just had I'm sex. Mm-hmm. You, I can't really tell them like, is this like uh, a like sex worker? It doesn't feel like it, but there's also mm-hmm. like, it definitely feels like a something very shady is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and why I say that is because then another guy is like, hey, what are you doing? Get out of here. You got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very like weird thing. But what I like about this movie, actually, uh, that was sarcastic, is um, <laughs> they hold on shots like way longer than they need to. Mm-hmm. And um, like that was a good one of like he walks in, he sees like two people uh, in a weird, it, well, it's supposed, it makes you feel like it's, inappropriate 
and they just hold on his face super long. Mm-hmm. Or when he like comes home and sees the broken records, they hold on his face for like what feels like 25 seconds. Yeah. Um, so that was like another one of those where it's like, all right, let's really take in Joe's reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then it, so then from there, when John Leguizamo says, um, oh, they're going to be out of town is when he gets the idea of like, oh, I saw there was a bunch of money this is another thing I could steal. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, you see him collecting money or trying to get money throughout the movie. Um, it's so you imagine it's for the records for his yeah. mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That. And then also when he, he does, does, he goes to like a record shop and he's like, Oh, I want mm-hmm. to, these records. And he's like, Oh, they're, they're kind of rare. They're going to be kind of hard to find. And he's like, Oh, money's no object. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then also later when he does have all the money, you see that he's he pays off some of his dad's debt because yeah. his dad owes money to basically everyone in town. Yeah. Like a, a lot of money in small sums. Like he owes like mm-hmm. a guy 40, 40 bucks. Yeah. He owes a guy 300 bucks. Like it's not a ton of money, but individually he owes, it, yeah. he owes it to a lot of people. What do you think it's for? Like alcohol? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of never. I wish they would have said that because that 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 was one of the things where like he's like, why is he, like, why did he borrow money from like one of the teachers? Mm-hmm. That and was it's weird. Like, and like, who are these adults in the neighborhood? They presumably all know him. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they keep lending him money? Like, it's just kind of confusing. Yeah. Like, why that's going on? I imagine he was kind of like a frank and shameless kind mm-hmm. of character. Like, mm-hmm. he was always just drinking. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. The, all the money went to that. Yeah, yeah, because clearly it wasn't. None of it was going towards his family, and like the, his wife is always working at the mill. Yeah, and all of her money is supporting the kids, but that's not a lot. Yeah. So I like the teacher. I thought he was fun. Oh, the uh, band the, teacher. The band teacher. Yeah, uh-huh. who was like yeah. Um, yeah. commenting, like, "Oh, he forgot his drumsticks. Let's see when he realizes he forgets his drumsticks. <laughs> all right, you're gonna go get your drumsticks." And then he's like, "Triplets, tati ti tati." He's just so <laughs> funny and like high energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few characters throughout the movie that like kind of help give it a breath of fresh air that it needs because yeah. it's like just pretty sad and yeah. bleak the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. And he was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else. So Joe sustains a pretty bad leg injury in what he calls a heist. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That's which is when he steals the money from the apartment upstairs from the restaurant. Um, and he, I think it's like a big chunk of mirror gets in his leg and it looks like it probably needed stitches, but he just takes the mirror out and tries to cover it up and like wipe off the blood. Yeah, that was gross. Yeah, that was, um, but it wasn't really enough. And so the next day, I think he's in, he's in his, uh, session with Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. His name is Len Coles. The character's name is Len Coles. We should mention though that when he's escaping... He bumps into the oh, yeah. bumps into the the guy, the old dude that mm-hmm. works there, who thought he was a big rat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He like hell? knocks him down the stairs, which is like, yeah, bad. He yes, played a better violent. drunk than Val Kilmer. Yes, he was very yeah, he seemed entertaining. visibly drunk. Yeah. yeah, and he climbs out the window and and escapes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but then Ethan Hawke takes him to a doctor to get his leg checked out. Mm-hmm. Um. And we find out it's infected. Uh, yeah. Yikes. Um, and they're like, oh, keep it clean or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you see him put back his... His, like, dirty sock, sock on. He's probably on never foot. washed those socks. It's, yeah. like, very sad. Yeah. The movie's interesting because, like, 
it kind of feels like throughout you're watching Joe collect money to buy these records for his mom, but it's also so sad and he's making a lot of bad choices that as a viewer, I don't really know how to, like I wanted to like him more than I did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was because he was like uh, mean at times or like um, just being like, I don't know if like aggressive is the right word, but like I think maybe it was just that it wasn't written very well. Like I wanted to like the protagonist more than I did because mm-hmm. it's like the whole time he's doing an unselfish act of trying to get money to make his mom happy. But there was just something in the back of my head that was like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I imagine it was just like the way that it was written, and or that some of the, all of the characters seem very like, like what you're saying, like they're they're not very dynamic or charismatic or likable. Besides like two, and yeah. they aren't Joe or really the main core of people. Um, but yeah, as he's like collecting money from different people, I was like, man, I wish I was more invested in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically the way he ends up getting caught, well, he buys the records. He manages to buy the records and he hides them under the... The, um, the front porch. Front porch. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that he gets caught is because he... So he Joe had told his friend with the glasses, I don't know what his name Ray. was. Ray. That he had got this money and that he had stolen it from the restaurant. And he tells him not to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And basically because Ethan Hawke sees uh, Joe's injury on his leg, he brings in Ray and asks him, like, what happened? And Ray's like, oh, I think he cut his leg at work. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, where does he work? And he tells him the name of the restaurant. And they call. Uh, it, or Ethan Hawke calls the restaurant and is like, "Hey, I need to talk to the manager, or whatever." And they're they're kind of trying to blow him off because Joe's underage; he's not supposed to be working there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, and he ends up telling them like, "Oh, it's because his leg got cut, and, we, and I want to know why, why you know mm-hmm. what happened, basically, what the situation is." And, and then they come to the realization that, oh, he cut his leg. There was blood at the... Mm-hmm. In their apartment. In their apartment. So they decide that it must have been Joe. Mm-hmm. And so they call the police. Who yeah. come and get him in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Which is... That was seems wild. Seems unlikely. Knocks on the door. Come on, you're coming with me. Yeah. Like zero, exp- like, asking questions or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well. especially since they know that he's a kid. Like, I think they... Are your I mean, parents I don't know. home? Yeah, <laughs> presumably like they would have come during the day or like after school, like the afternoon, and been like, "Hey, we need to talk to you. We need to talk to you know," and asked him some questions rather than yeah. just dragged him to the mm-hmm. police station. I want to show you guys really quick. This isn't uh, for the listener. If you Google Sandlot cast, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the reasons why I think it's like that is Ray. <laughs> Ray looks identical oh, yeah. to a yeah, character wow. named whose nickname is Squints, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, I think this is Sandlot. It's because it feels like 
they modeled that character exactly off of the Sandlot character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely feel like um, some ragtag uh, latchkey 70 kids, yes. 70s kids. So yeah. same vibe for sure. Um, yes, but uh, they, uh, yeah, he, he kind of, Ray kind of outs him for like, yeah, I think it's the restaurant. And then he calls, uh, Ethan Hawk calls um, um, the restaurant and it is, immediately there are people fighting and he's like okay they can already tell this is bad news yeah and then he's like oh i uh, didn't know that he was uh 14 i don't know i didn't know but then yes he connects the dots of oh he was the one that stole the money because mm-hmm. he said he was bleeding yeah yeah so yeah so then the um his mom finally comes. It's like the, it's truly the middle. Of the, it's like two or three in the morning by the time she gets because it's two in the morning and he says, I'm going to bring in a cot for you. And right. then it's maybe even like the next morning that she comes to the police station. Yeah, they're able to find her. Um, and and so there's a scene where she's talking to the judge and she's like, my husband's not really around and I have to work all the time and I just don't know what to do with him anymore. And then the judge says, well, what's the best thing? And so then it's like they've decided together that the best thing is to send him to juvie. Yeah. For six months to a year. Yeah. Which is fascinating. It obviously seems like way too long, but it seems like the judge thinks that like this is basically like a better option than being home unsupervised for, mm-hmm. for a year. And even Val Gilmer says like that's a very long time. Yeah. 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 It does feel it does feel for stealing too, too harsh for stealing and for his first i think probably his first criminal offense i mean the mom does mention that the police had been by before but yeah. it doesn't seem like he'd ever been charged with anything before but to your point of like the mom and judge kind of come to this conclusion together i wonder if she was like yes this is probably mm-hmm. like i wonder if she also was like yeah that's a good idea right mm-hmm. um or that he should be there that long yeah i kind of feel like she did yeah um yeah. So, but the judge gives him one day to get his affairs in order. Yeah, which I is, love that. Yeah, I like that telling was... a fourteen-year-old to get their affairs. In order. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And he spends it basically just doing the stuff that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He goes to the roller derby. Uh-huh. Uh, There's like an eighty-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, yeah. 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 He just, falls. It's like the most fit eighty-year-olds I've ever seen in my life. They're all just yeah, yeah, yeah. skating, crushing it. Yeah. He falls, and older man comes up to him. And is like, "Hey, are you okay, kid? Yeah. Oh, must have the day off of school, right?" And he's like, "Oh," and then it cuts to him on his bike or something. Yeah, and he goes to the diner and he orders a bunch of food. Um, like he orders fries and onion rings and a cheeseburger and a milkshake mashed and potatoes. mashed potatoes. Why get the mashed potatoes? In yeah, gravy? that was that was the mashed potatoes <laughs> was where I was thought it was too, too far, much. Yeah. Um, but he he sees this like nice family come into the diner and then he I think that's what makes him sick. Like he he like he looks like he's about to throw up. Yeah, the review that I read said like overcome with guilt or um, something. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he throws up the mashed mashed potatoes, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like he kind of he sort of spits, spits them out. Yeah. It kind like, of looks like he's vomiting. yeah. Probably because like the mashed potatoes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he asks for the check and just leaves. Again, another like his last day, and it's like very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of hoping and be like, yeah, victory lap, have fun, and it's like. No, you're alone at the roller rink and you fall and then you order all this food and you don't eat any of it because mm-hmm. you're sad. 
Um, oh, we didn't talk about the uh, record store, the uh, amazing employee. Oh, yeah. The best facial hair in all of oh, yeah. the movie, <laughs> yeah. movie industry. Yeah, I liked I liked him. He was yeah, he was cool. He was funny. Yeah, although he seemed to like not have any questions about how this fourteen year old had enough mo- this money. This fourteen year old, issue. yeah, this fourteen year old who like is clearly he's like you know poorly dressed and like v- dirty. Like, really, your t shirt is dirty. Yeah, and somehow has enough money for like an entire record collection. Yeah, yeah. of apparently rare records. Yeah, yeah. So that was weird. Um. But, you know, like another in a series of, um, uh, like, neglectful adults Yeah. in yeah. this movie. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even the guy at the pawn shop being like, mm-hmm. I can get you arrested for this. It's like, man, we're parenting. Yeah. So uh, neglected in this movie. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why John Leguizamo was just yeah. so great. It's just yeah. the very little he did went a long way. Yeah, and yeah. he does. He, there is a scene where he yells at him, um, but it was kind of like, it was understandable because like he broke in and stole the stuff, and like John Leguizamo was like, "Oh, you're lucky that I had like an excuse on Friday or whatever." Like he was somewhere that people could he was say with his parole officer. Yeah, that people could verify where he was. Another layer of mm-hmm. like, what's that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he like yells at him and like all this stuff, and then he's like, "I'm sorry, like I didn't mean to get you in trouble." And John like was almost like, hey, don't worry about it, you know. Yeah, be cool. Just be cool, yeah. And I like I appreciated that as well because he was like, it, it, that was another thing that felt real. Where it's like, you know, he's really pissed off and he has the right to be, but at the same time, it's like this is his kid. He's trying to look after him and all that stuff, and so he kind of lets him lets him off easy. Mm-hmm. There's a world where like the whole movie is. John Leguizamo's dynamic and relationship with this kid that I yeah. think the movie becomes like significantly better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the issue sometimes with autobiographical or semi-autobiographical movies is that it kind of feels like, well, I have to stick to this because this is what the truth is. It's like, then don't make a, like what we were saying before, like this is clearly to help you process but I just think there is so many, like, the potential with the relationship with uh, Ethan Hawke's character, John Leguizamo's character. There are so many, like, avenues for this movie to be so good. But it's like, and then we're going to end with you going to jail. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's, and you see him on the bus, like, just yeah. going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of the whole time you're longing for it to become more of a... a fantasy version of mm-hmm. what this st- story is like of what his life was yeah um but it never it ever goes that way it's just clings to you know reality possibly yeah i mean yeah. the thing is i don't I, I didn't mind so much the plot like i didn't mm-hmm. mind the, the fact that like he does this sort of altruistic act of getting the records for his mom and then he goes and he has to pay the consequences for it by going to juvie like, I didn't mind that arc so much. I think the problem, I think the main problem with the movie is the, like, adult characters who are so entirely, like, I think that's the fantasy aspect of it. It's that this idea that there's this entire town of adults who, like, have no, like, save for one or one and a half characters who have absolutely no regard for the well-being of this kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me is the part where it's, like, that's where the movie falters. And I think that like, I think the story itself, I think is fine. I, I think it's interesting of him doing this thing and, and ending up going to juvie. 
Um, but just the, the other characters around him, like from the very first scene where we see this teacher who's like this, you know, character Crazy. of like an evil Makes teacher. Makes no sense, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I think, that's, I think that's the problem with the movie. I agree, because I was trying to figure out like, because I was like, there's a lot of, sad movies that I like. So it's not like, oh, this is sad, so I don't like it. Like, it does have a sad ending, and, and it feels sad throughout it. So it's not that it's like, um, oh, it's a sad story, so that's why I don't like it. It does feel more of that, of like, these adult characters that are just like letting everything go by them is like frustrating. It's like hard to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From the opening scene to like basically the end, you see so many people just... uh be irresponsible to these young kids and it's it sucks yeah you know yeah. what um the teacher at the beginning reminded me of was um is it miss trenbull or miss turnbull from matilda yeah especially the way she's shot because it's she's kind of shot yeah. from uh, like yeah. an up angle mm-hmm. so it's not helpful on a podcast that i was just gesturing gesturing <laughs> um but yeah she's yeah the way that she's shot and the school setting and everything and the way she abused joe and like you know there she you know disciplined him very harshly in class um all kind of reminded me of that yeah but why does it work so much better with matilda is it because it's like a comedy i think it's a tone issue i think that's the thing is i think the tone of this movie they were trying to go for like this sort of serious slightly comedic like Mm -hmm. take on his life but with a lot of these other stories where you have this like like a lot of the, the the movies where you have this kind of like evil teacher character first off they often overcome them mm-hmm. you know yeah and second off a lot of the time it's like sort of for kids mm-hmm. in a way that like okay you see these characters that are like oh i've i have a teacher that i dislike or whatever and and they kind of see that um and like that there's the fantasy to it Mm-hmm. Well, but, especially with Matilda, because her punishments are really outlandish in Matilda. Right, right. Like put the, putting the kids in the chokey, like that's not, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, you know, eating, or the, eating whole the whole yeah, cake, eating yeah. the whole cake, or twirling the girl by her pigtails and throwing yeah. her across the yard. Like those are things that would not actually happen. Mm-hmm. So it makes it it pushes it outside of reality yep. in a way that makes it work a little better. Yeah, yeah, and that like that's kind of to my point about like the like the Charlie Brown thing where it's like it's kind of for kids where you see these like teachers that you don't ever see and they're like just yelling in 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 indecipherable language Mm -hmm. and it's like it's fantasy because you're like you see that like that's not a real but with this it's like it's supposed to be real and also it's supposed to be for adults because presumably like you don't want your kids watching this movie this is like they say the f word like 300 times yeah exactly so that's i think that's part of the problem is that like the tone of it it's like i i kind of like was thinking like who exactly is this for because i don't think the like i don't think that adults are gonna like feel like oh that they're gonna relate to these characters that have no care about a child's well-being yep and then I don't think children are going to relate to it because they shouldn't be watching it. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's part of the problem is like the, this tone of the movie. I think what we were saying before, like it's just for him because it feels yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm sure when he watches it, he's like, this is perfect. Yeah. Because it's based off of like everything of his own life. But what I totally agree that for everyone else, it's like, who watches this? Like my parents don't watch this and, and say like, yes, this is great. 
my younger sister doesn't watch it and say like i want this is i want to keep watching this even yeah. myself i was at times like uh this is weird you know so it's hard finding that like yeah what is the point like who is this for yeah and like like i was saying like i think that the story itself the story itself i i liked yep but it's just that the the characters and the tone of it felt like it just didn't come together yeah but that being said, I could watch a whole movie of him dancing on uh, roller skates. Oh, yeah, that was really <laughs> fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of... Yeah, oh, well, the very last scene, I actually did like this a lot, where he's being... Uh, it cuts back and forth between... Uh, he hugs his mom and his brother, and he's going off to juvie. And um, his uh, he, he tells his mom, I left something for you under the porch. And so it cuts back and forth between his mom finding the records and yeah, him yes, on I the like bus. Yeah. I really liked that scene because yeah. uh, you see him, he's he's on the bus just kind of blank, and then he's eating a sandwich, and then he's just completely breaking down on the bus. Yeah. And then on her end, she's you know going under the porch, she's crawling under there, she's finding the records, she takes them up, she like painstakingly carries them up because it's a heavy box of yeah, records. It's a giant box. Yeah, she carries them up to her bedroom and then she's playing it and she's listening to presumably like her favorite record yeah. that he got for her and it's um and then he's uh, in the hallway like being walked down to his cell and mm-hmm. uh I really liked how that came together actually. Yeah, yeah. I think the last line in that like Roger Ebert review I read was like the movie should have started there basically Mm -hmm. like he was like i think i'm more interested in his life from there to the future than Mm -hmm. like leading up to that point yeah Mm -hmm. because i agree that i think that was one of the better parts of the whole movie is Mm -hmm. cutting cutting back and forth yeah um yeah and that was a nice moment and you're like hoping that that pays off because you're watching it throughout the whole movie and you're like oh man i can't wait to see her uh discover these records so Mm -hmm. that was nice That, that did like pay off in a nice way yeah. yeah, yeah, and then there's there's one other scene where, like Val Kilmer tells him he loves him, and that's oh, kind of yeah. like the that only was, that was pretty. Yeah, and he's like sort of driving away, and you see him like crying, and then Joe's like sort of just like stunned, like he he had never heard that before, basically. Um, so yeah, yeah, it does as we say it out loud, it kind of feels like there are a lot of like really nice moments. The last like two minutes of the whole movie mm-hmm. yeah like that final drive and then um and then uh, the mom seeing the records was like wow that was that part was really nice yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, th- there were like there were scenes and elements of this movie that i that i did really like like that the ending the way it ended the way it was shot in the end and like all everything with john like was almost character basically and like mm-hmm. like those things i think really connected and then a lot of it a lot of the other adult characters didn't really and even a lot of the other kid characters. Like, I felt like his friends didn't feel... Like, his older brother... They didn't all feel, like, really that they were totally there for, you know... Mm-hmm. I don't know. People. Yeah. Yeah. And you almost could have, like, gotten rid of the friends or older brother and then just explored the other relationships, like, deeper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think th- the thing that you were saying, like, about, th- like, you, you figuring out, like, th- having the sad and, like, having a sad movie and, like, why it doesn't bother you in other situations. I've thought about this before, and I think the thing that, because I remember, like, seeing, like, 
Uh, there, there are some movies that I've seen that just like deeply frustrated me mm-hmm. because of how they ended, like because it wasn't like a happy ending or whatever. But I've seen like plenty of movies with sad endings that I really liked, um, and I have nothing against sad movies. I like sad movies, and I was thinking about like what is it specifically that frustrates me in some movies that doesn't in others. And I think the thing, like what I sort of settled on, was like cynicism. Mm-hmm. Like I think there are some movies that have a cynical outlook. That, oh, this is why I didn't like Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. I wanted to like it so much. And the reason I didn't like it is because I felt that the, the story the, the story that was being told was like expressly cynical. And that the movie didn't have as much to say outside of its own cynicism. Mm-hmm. And that's like that was something that frustrated me in that movie. Or like even like like Avengers, the one uh, before what was the most recent one? And game. Endgame? What was Infinity the one before? War. Infinity War. Yeah. That that movie frustrated me too because it felt cynical. Because it felt like, oh, you have to watch this and it's you're going to have to watch the next one. And that's kind of all there was to that movie to me. Like where it was just like, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen that movie, <laughs> they all die in the air. Basically, Thanos wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it felt cynical to me. Like it was like, it was like they... They, they had all this build up to it and then it doesn't really, it doesn't pay off because Thanos like gets what he wants and he's like, ha ah, you lose. And it's like, what, you know, it to me it was like, what is the point? You know what I mean? And so the difference between like something that's sad for the sake of like, like a movie like the Florida Project, which I really love, mm-hmm. something that's sad and bleak and dark, but it serves a purpose of like, you have these characters and like, they're, they're I, I feel like there's even similarities between Florida Project and this movie. But mm-hmm. I think that one does it better because, I don't know, like, you, you feel like... Well, that one does, like, have an entire fantasy sequence at the end. Yes, that's true. So, where Spoiler you... Spoiler mm, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, where she, um, you know, she is... This horrible thing is happening to her, and she just projects this, um, like, optimistic alternate ending. Yeah. 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 And it felt like it was in the service of something, whereas this, it didn't feel as much like... I don't know. Yeah. So to me, like the difference between cynicism and just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But that's kind of. And like, I wonder if part of it with that is like the acting. Like, I wonder if like with Florida Project, like are the actors way more captivating and charismatic than the actors in uh, Joe the King? Like in I a think- way where like you are rooting for them throughout. And that's what I was like kind of stumbling on earlier was like, I want to root for these people, but I'm, but I'm not like my heart's not in it. Yeah. Where with like Florida project it was. So yeah. And I think part of that is like what we were just saying is like how we wanted to have more of a John Leguizamo type character. I think Willem Dafoe fills that role throughout the entire movie. 100%. And it sort of grounds you in the sense of like, okay, you have someone here who at the very least like, He's got his own shit going on, but he is invested in the well-being of these kids and he protects mm-hmm. them when he can. But he's limited by it because he's running this dingy fucking hotel, motel, yeah. whatever. Um, and I think that sort of grounds the movie in a way that John Leguizamo could have in yeah. this movie, but he wasn't given enough time to do it. And I think that's kind of what sets those movies apart. Yeah, or Ethan Hawke if his character yeah, had been more character. successful yeah. in in uh But I I would have I would have been more interested in seeing John Leguizamo do it than mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. than than seeing cuz I feel like the guidance I feel like the the supportive teacher is like such a 
well-worn trope that to have like this kind of like yeah. player who works at a restaurant who has a criminal history yeah. being the supportive character would have been would have worked well in this movie for one thing and it would have been interesting mm-hmm. so yeah i think it would have benefited if they cranked john linguizamo's up like 200 percent, but ethan hawk up like 50 <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah where it's like let's see a little bit more of this teacher student relationship working but let's see a lot more of this like interesting waiter who we rarely see like this kind of relationship work yeah Mm -hmm. or at all yeah i think we solved it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i had i pulled up a few reviews also um yeah so that roger ebert review we kind of talked about that already sorry talking into the mic (laughs) <laughs> yeah he gave it like two stars or something right like two and two a out half. of four yeah which is um not i mean not horrible it's i think a four star rating system is just so yeah it's it's rough yeah because like five stars at least like you you can give a movie three stars and you're saying it was okay yeah, yeah. And that's like a clear, you understand what that means but like the difference between uh, even if you're using half stars the difference between two stars with two, two out of four, you're saying this is a bad movie. Three out of four, you're saying it's a good movie. Yep. And it's like there's, in there's two a and a half. Gap. Yeah, yeah there's mm-hmm. a huge gap. And two and a half just feels like it's not really. Mm-hmm. Two and a half, you could just use a five-star system and use a three mm-hmm. instead. Yep. I just think of four. I don't know. If you're like, if you're just like rating movies, I feel like the system you use is important. Yeah. And I think a four-star system is absolutely terrible. Yeah. I agree. So. I agree. Um, yeah, he even just, but he has given other movies that we've watched two stars, and I didn't necessarily agree. Like, we've talked about this a few times, but he rated, like, White Fang higher than Reality Bites or something, mm-hmm. which felt crazy to me. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm not always with Roger Ebert. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Same. But I do feel like a two is kind of about right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I also pulled up. The one that, okay, so I'm just going to skip to the review that I think is the most interesting. It's from movieguide.org, which is a Christian uh, review site that reviews um, like content for how family friendly it is, basically. And so the content on on that, it says, uh, humanist worldview of a young boy's tragic life, 85 obscenities, 12 profanities, plus some sexual (laughs) references, mild violence, no sex scenes, no nudity, alcohol use and alcoholism and stealing alcoholic father abuses family and uncaring incompetent government school there's just a picture of satan on the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah three yeah. out of five satans <laughs> also no nudity is not exactly accurate because you do see his butt when he's being spanked That's yeah true. in minute one yeah, yeah. So, so partial nudity yeah, i would say partial nudity um and also yeah. the, the partial nudity of the people at the upstairs in the restaurant mm-hmm. i mean they're covered with blankets but mm-hmm. like it's, I feel like if you're going for Christian content, that should be yeah. marked. Yeah. Mentioned in there. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to count 85 obscenities or, or profanity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's pretty much all I have. Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us? Sure. Yeah. Huh. I think it's time for uh, Hawk Facts. Kaka. Do you want to try a co- uh, Hawk Noise? Kaka. Nice. Nice. That's good. Thanks. Um. It turns back on. Okay, so I decided that I would look for. Uh, I wanted to, you know, I always try to connect to the movies, and I was trying to figure out what I could connect it with. 
So I settled on stealing because there's a lot of stealing stuff in, in this movie. And I was reading about, um, uh, about I just Googled hawk stealing. And it's all about like like birds of prey stealing people's pets, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this article from The Verge is called, Odds are a hawk won't steal your pet, but you should still be cautious. Um, so... <laughs> Basically, they were talking about how a lot of like news organizations play up the risk of like a bird stealing your like you know like local news stores would be like oh this hawk stole a local news is terrible they're just there to instill fear in you they're like this this uh, this bird stole a dog or whatever and then um, all the stuff but it's not really that much of it's not as common as it would seem like there there was a story that was like. There was a uh, a crime spree of hawks stealing, or it might have been owls. It's different kinds of birds stealing uh, pets, but it was only like three incidents. And two of them were, um, there was no witnesses. So it could have just been (laughs) that the pet like walked off. Like it could have been something else. Um, So basically they're saying like, you know, it's it's not as much of a risk as, as you might imagine. And there was this one story uh, in 2012, a group of Canadian students uh, tricked a number of local news channels when they uploaded a video of an eagle swooping into a park, grabbing a baby and arcing upwards into the air before releasing the infant back to the earth. The video is fake, obviously, but more so its premise is ludicrous and should be clearly impossible. An eagle smaller than large hawks and owls cannot lift a 30-pound toddler. So basically, like it's it's people people are they're trying play. to ease our fears that the <laughs> hawks will not take your babies and pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just be mindful of any birds that might be in your yard. Do not approach nests. Um, yeah. So there you go. It's a good call to action. Yeah. Rather Hawk than safety. fear birds, learn about them. Ooh, I like that. That's their, wow. that's, the, that's their closing closing idea so. i've been um listening to audiobooks but watching uh netflix documentaries with the sound off uh-huh. it's kind of like similar to the thing i'm doing on the plane um, <laughs> and i just like had a memory of a few days ago of just uh, listening to someone uh read their uh, read a book but while watching birds dive into the ocean and grab fish uh-huh. it was like one in the morning and i was like what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> What book are you listening to? I just finished it. It's called Men Without Women by Hiroki Mara. I wrote it down, too, because I talked about it on today's episode, I think. Um, But it's a collection of short stories about men who have lost women because they left them for other men or because they died. Hiroki Murakami. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hirokai Murakami, I think. Yeah. Um, And similar to this movie it's pretty sad (laughs) it's a collection of sad stories um but then i moved to um uh sorry uh i listen i'm listening to three women by lisa tadio i think is how it's pronounced um uh that one also is really good i'm got into audible this year and i'm really enjoying it yes yeah i've never i've actually never listened to an audiobook before Mm. They're so like the smarter person's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how yeah. the how the because I the thing is is I actually kind of have a hard time with podcasts. Like I have a hard time processing audio information. Yeah, because the only time I can really do it is when 
I'm like doing dishes or something mm-hmm. where if I'm like set in a place or like I'm driving, I can do podcasts when I'm driving. I can do podcasts when I'm like to dishes when you can like pay attention to it. Yeah. Yep. Where I'm, where like I'm occupying myself with some activity that I can't really take my attention away from, but isn't also taking my attention away from the podcast. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think if I'm just sitting on the couch listening to a podcast, I'm going to end up like, Looking at your phone, looking at my phone, yep. or like picking something up and looking at it, and then I'll like lose my place. And I think that would be more so a problem with audiobooks, where you kind of need to know every single beat that's going on. If I if I dip out of a conversation podcast mm-hmm. for a couple minutes and come back to it, it's like it's probably fine. Yep. I'll probably be able to figure out what's going on. So, but for me with the books, it's like I either I'm looking at it and I'm reading it, or I'm not. Yep. And I'm not reading it. So I haven't tried audiobooks, but I can sort of foresee myself having some issues. Maintaining, oh, absolutely. Maintaining, and I, content. I lose concentration pretty quickly. So that's why, like, watching a documentary with the sound off of like bear, like walruses jumping into the, uh, the water, but <laughs> listening to an audiobook is like perfect for me because it's like, okay, my eyes, I, my brain is locked in on something, but I can also process everything. Right, right. It's all about like finding that balance. Um, same thing where like. Even at the gym, I'm like now very specific of I can't listen to a podcast if I'm lifting weights, but if I'm on like a bike, I mm-hmm. can because it's like uh, easier because uh-huh. I'm just like doing one thing. But if I'm like, okay, now what machine do I want to use? I'm not listening to whatever I'm listening right. to on my phone. Um, yes, it's all about like finding that sweet spot of like, what am I doing? It, it can occupy you, but not distract you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good life hack. Do you end up like associating like what you were watching with the thing that you were listening to? Like when you think, like when you think back to like the audio, like when I see birds, am I going to be? Yeah. You start thinking about like, yeah. Uh, Or or are you able to separate it like mentally later on? I think I'm able to separate it. I think I'm really listening to the book more than I am watching Uh 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 the, uh, the documentary or, it, it, it kind of depends. Um, with the podcast, I'm probably focused more on the thing that I'm doing. Right. But with the audio book, I'm probably focused more on that. Mm-hmm. So I have I have to do like a much lighter physical thing so that I can like yourself like process it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but with the podcast, I can like do more like okay, now I'm gonna clean my room and do this and do that and do like a couple things. Because I'm not stressed if I like lose, like you said, like lose a few minutes of like a chat show or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I listen to podcasts all the time. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it's constantly listening. But yeah, at work, what I do is pretty um, route like a lot of data entry. Yeah, a lot of reading a thing and then typing it somewhere else or copy mm-hmm. and pasting. So I have no problem listening to podcasts at work. So that gives me like forty ish hours of podcast that's amazing time. yeah yeah i can't listen to podcasts at work because i'm you're making podcasts yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd yeah. be funny yeah um yeah oh uh we did get one question i tried to get people uh, to s- send us questions Great. one is pretty uh, good that's all right it's, because uh, the question we'll wait till you hear the our, question oh, though boy, okay uh, will friend- hawks take my babies <laughs> <laughs> well we have an answer for that uh no, a uh, friend of the show and former guest Giovanni Bayani <laughs> asked, "What is it?" LOL. <laughs> so, thanks for that insightful question, Gio. Uh, you'll just have to listen to all the show that just happened, and you'll you'll hear all about it. It's a superhero story. 
Yeah. It or you could watch totally. it for free on Vudu with yes. ads, which yes. is how That's we did, did it. Yeah. I did as well. The it ads weren't too uh, like too much. I thought they yeah, broke the broken ads like four or five times. Yeah. There yeah. Were, there were there weren't that many. The only problem is that they were like slightly poorly timed. Yes. yes. Like they yes. Would, which was kind of funny because there would be the end of a scene. And then another scene would start, and then the ad would come. Yeah. You would of see the, the scene, first shot that. of the first scene, and yeah. it would cut and immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's outside. Oh, okay, now it's yeah. a voodoo commercial. Mm-hmm. And it's I, have to, I guess I have to kind of lend props to like movies on TV, because they do kind of mm-hmm. think about how they time it. So yeah. I do like that it was the same commercial for voodoo every time. Did you guys have <laughs> How was that? No, we got um, we that Allstate. Oh, yeah, we, we did have yeah. some yeah. Oh. But we also had the Allstate commercial with the little girl with the deep voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, there was one for Walmart clothing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had the Walmart. Yeah, I was pleasantly was, surprised. Yeah. I thought there was going to be like a Hulu thing where it would be like every... 15 or 20 minutes but mm-hmm. it was only like three for an hour and 40 minute movie i was yeah. surprised by that yeah that was good so nice shouts out to voodoo, voodoo. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah please oh no, gosh i don't want them to sponsor yeah no i don't i don't yeah. want the yeah wall- we don't want money. big walmart money yeah, yeah. yeah. No for sure um, we'll take that hulu money <laughs> <laughs> yeah do they have the do they have a podcast a podcast um relationship yet like a i don't know they will one day yeah i'm sure they will netflix is getting into it yeah well um this has been fun do we have any any last thoughts best of luck joe yeah 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 i'm looking for that uh you know before sunrise style oh my god uh, that'd be great yeah see him come out like 30 years later Mm -hmm. what's what's he up to so think about that frank whaley think about we'll watch it yeah. As long as you bring Ethan Hawke back. What if it's too literal and it's just him like at auditions like in LA? <laughs> it's like, oh no, this isn't what we wanted. Yeah. I'd watch it. Um, yeah, but I mean, just like overall, like there were things, there were quite a few things about this movie that I thought did work. And there was just, it was weighed down by the other characters that mm-hmm. were so like sort of unbelievably unsympathetic and uncaring that that it just weighed the movie down Mm -hmm. cool well i'm harper you can find me on the internet at harping about uh on instagram specifically but other places i'm sure um like i should i should know you can find me on critiker at harping about um what's that Oh, it's real fun. It's like uh, I should have used Letterboxd, but instead I used Critiker because um, I needed a play. Because uh, I have a friend who used it, who used it, and he was like, "Oh, you should use this thing." Mm-hmm. And so I basically went through and I did a big thing because I had this project that I wanted to do called the Millennial Top 100, where I wanted to pull millennials specifically about what their top 100 movies would be, cool. and then do a composite and then make a book one day. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really hard to one find people who know 100 movies off the top of their head. Sure. So and and two people who are willing to like sit down and put the effort into it because the way that I did it was I made a list of every movie I've ever seen, which ended up being like 1,300 movies. Wow. Yeah, and so that's what. I I used Critiker for I went through I used several sources like Wikipedia and IMDB and like uh, to look at complete lists of movies by year how long did that take you it took me a really long time yes. yeah because I, I was like working on it because I think when we were off of the podcast we weren't doing the podcast during this period mm-hmm. and so I 
I need something to obsessively put myself into. That's Mm -hmm. just the kind of personality I have. So I did this and I think it took me, I want to say I was done in January of this year, but I might've started around the time we stopped this, which was, it would have been October. So it took me like three months to do the whole thing. But yeah, I felt really good when I was done. And then I, Critiker, you also have to assign like a rating to it uh, out of a hundred. So now I have this crazy list of every movie I've ever seen rated. Wow. But I'm I was I kept going back and changing it because I was never satisfied with it and so I'd try to go by tens and like see, you know, how, does this feel right? And I'd have to push things down because I didn't want to rate anything too low because it felt mean, but then I put the room at zero and uh, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about that. Um anyway, so yeah, you could find me on Critiker at harping about uh, and something I've been enjoying outside of Ethan Hawke lately is, oh, I just finished watching Degrassi Next Class. Um, I wa- yeah, it was, it was, I was shocked that it was over cause I didn't realize that it was canceled. Uh, yeah. But anyway, then I immediately started watching Skam, the Norwegian teen drama. So that's been helping me get through my Degrassi depression. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, how about you? Where can the people find you? What have you been enjoying? Um, I'm John. Oh, we already know my name. That's right? okay. You can say it again. I'm Jonathan. One more time. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at John Zavaleta. J-O-N. Yep. <laughs> C-A-V-A-L-E-T-A. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, what have I been enjoying? I think I've been enjoying <laughs> some old Sugar Ray songs. Oh, gosh. Nice. <laughs> I was listening to, um, oh, because you were watching Degrassi and the yeah. musical score reminded me specifically of Every Morning. Man, I was talking about that song this weekend. Really? Yeah, because my girlfriend was saying she made her own four-post bed because she only had <laughs> the two, like, traditional. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So she, like, glued poles to the other side wow. so she could have four and i was like the only thing that makes me think of is that sugar ray song yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there you go uh so that one and every um no every morning and what's the other one someday yeah that's mm-hmm. a great one i'm gonna yeah. listen to that on a drive home nice yeah. uh kevin where can the people find you what have you been enjoying and do you have anything you'd like to plug yes people can find me on instagram at kev bartelt b-a-r-t-e-l-t and at Kevin J. Bartelt on Twitter. I've been enjoying um, The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. It's very funny. Nice. Uh, Adam Devine, Tim Baltz, and Evie Patterson. Um, also, um, a bunch of stuff that is pretty common knowledge. Like, I was rewatching Documentary Now, and it's still very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just started season yeah. three. I yes. love co op. that's what i watched yeah yeah we we watched that this weekend it was very very good um and what else i think you should leave what's been out for a while now the Mm -hmm. tim robinson show is amazing um oh maybe if you haven't heard of this joe para had an adult swim show last year um what the hell was it called it was my like favorite show of the year um joe para adult swim show um sorry joe para talks with you i think it is so 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 incredible um and it made me so happy it came it's like a year old but Mm -hmm. if you're looking for like 10 minute episodes of something to watch i think for free yes um check that out 
And um, something to promote, I have a new podcast with my friend Yusong Liu, who's the producer of the Doughboys podcast. It's called Maybe Don't. It's a variety show. We just say it has an opening segment and a closing segment, um, which is nonsense. Um, <laughs> but we kind of go back and forth between conversations, um, things we're struggling with, or new things that are happening in our lives, and um, little bits and sketches that we do. And Yusong is an incredible musician so he has some music underneath it it's very fun it's called maybe don't yeah i love it a lot it's really added to my mondays yay thank yeah. you yeah. it's fun yeah i'm glad you guys like it Thanks. and listeners of this show if you listen to this show on mondays you could just queue up maybe don't right after, right after. come out yeah. on the same day boom boom yeah um yeah so you can follow the show hawkeyes at hawkeyes pod on twitter instagram and facebook and tumblr nice uh, yeah Yep, for those, uh, we have 10 followers, I think, maybe, on Tumblr. So oh. that's cool. Uh, yeah, and you can also email us if you want at hawkeyespod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, we we love to, to hear from you. So reach yeah. out. And as always, hey. the E between hawk and eyes is shared yes (laughs) and um yeah uh rate and review on apple Podcasts or whatever i don't know um (laughs) thank you so much for joining us kevin thanks for having me this was great yeah this was super fun uh yeah cool all right bye everyone bye yeah yeah